Hello everyone and welcome to this Nintendo Live episode 256! My name is NBZ and uh, I, uh, it's officially happened. I am German now. I got the new passport um, and uh, mm. you know it's nice to uh, eat sausages for breakfast every day um, and uh, have a bit of pork knuckle on the side. Um, it's a pretty good life. You didn't have a European breakfast? No, well here's the thing actually. The hotel that we stayed at uh, I was expecting full continental, right? Because that's all you get over there, yeah. which is like, here's just some fucking croissants and some hams, right? Like, that's basically <laughs> what they cheese, do. A bit of ham. Yeah. And it, yeah. yeah. No no eggs, no bacon, no, no, you know, all the full thing. It's just, and it's cold. It's cold, yeah. But here's the kicker, Bally. They had sausages and scrambled egg. And I was like, well... You know, they it's knew not... the Americans were in town. They did. <laughs> they, they knew did. all these international people were over. They're like, we've got to cater to them somehow. Let's give them some sausage and some egg. So, um, so yeah, there was a bit of that. To be fair, though, we didn't really have breakfast at the hotel that often because it was 18 euros for breakfast every day. So, like, well, um, let's maybe just go around the corner and buy, like, a sandwich or, like, a croissant from there instead. Okay. So, um, did did breakfast a couple of times, but not... Not too often, basically. Um, but yeah, I, I did. There are a couple of nights there where uh, we were up until 1am and then I woke up at 6.45am uh, <laughs> having do done Can't having do done a full 12-hour day on my feet uh, at oh. Gamescom. And, uh, and, and those well. were the days... Yeah, yeah, and, and those were the days uh, where I really did need the sausage and egg in the morning just to shut mm, down my throat, yeah, yeah. Um, just to get me through. So, yeah, you don't get a lot of time to eat. Um, mostly, they just gave us vegan hot dogs, which uh, turns out actually quite good. Uh, shout out to vegan hot dogs, I like them. Um, but yes, where did you get the vegan hot dogs? Sorry, um, at the Indie Arena booth where we were. Okay, they cool. there were uh, volunteers there, and uh, basically we were too busy to go and have lunch, so they would come and bring us vegan hot dogs, oh, basically. <laughs> Uh, for service. lunch so yeah 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 yeah. um obviously you have to eat it while still talking to the crowds of people and everyone <laughs> coming by but uh but yeah no it was, it was good fun um and for more like this you can subscribe to patreon.com slash this nintendo life uh where i will have my audio log i still haven't finished putting that thing together but i'm very excited for this audio log yeah i think maybe by the time this goes up i probably will have it up there hopefully this weekend i'm going to edit that together if, and put if it you're up, from so. la will you be able to listen to it without falling out with tnl um yes okay, i think good. so yeah okay, yeah yeah do you mean germany no i just meant like the last um audio log you did i feel like mm. was uh, there was a lot of shade thrown at la and oh, yes, i'm yeah. hoping that there'll be slightly now. less yeah. shade thrown at cologne this time we'll see see here's the thing i feel like people who live in la also talk shit about la so like <laughs> yeah, you know we're enough. all on the same side really um so yeah but yeah I, I am i did come back with an illness um there's a whole fucking saga like we got blocked there was a whole thing with the uk with flights being cancelled and so we were literally on our way to the airport and our flights got cancelled and so we spent an extra day in europe traveling to brussels bally's old haunt which is exactly uh, the route we did way back in 2016 yeah, exactly. when you came to brussels and stayed with me and then we went to cologne yeah it was so funny because i was telling my colleague liz i was like hey look at this train because we we're on our way to the airport i was like oh we me and my friend got that train back in <laughs> 2016 yeah. little did we know that we'd be taking the same train a day later to try and catch the Eurostar. uh so yeah it was um yeah it's it is it was one of the most tiring but rewarding like most memorable weeks of my life so i think um it's Very it's nice. worth worth getting on patreon and listening to that audio log when it goes live as uh ups and downs and plenty of stories do you so. want to quickly plug the games that you promoted that are coming oh sure yeah so we have uh, axolotl uh which is coming out actually 
this week when this episode goes live it comes out thursday the 14th of september um so go and check that out roguelike top-down shooter yeah roguelike shooter uh, also it's kind of like pot pet management where you can uh, you can uh, take these little baby axolotls that you find in your runs and you can raise them you can give them food and stuff and give them abilities it's a lot of fun uh, it was one of the most popular indie games at gamescom that's not me being uh what you call it um arrogant that's the truth like our, our we literally ne- the queue never stopped the line never ended it was insane that um, really so, impressive. That awesome. so people were loving the game there which is great um and it's, it's out on switch as well so hey it's a game that i'm uh, been working on that's coming out switch day one uh, i'll see if i can uh, grab some codes and we'll uh, we'll see if we can do a little giveaway on the podcast that'll be a nice thing to do uh next time so uh yeah that's nice. coming out uh and also the last faith uh which is a gothic uh, metroidvania uh very very castlevania in style uh very very cool and that's uh, slated for november so yeah people could play both of those there uh, at our booth which was a good time and you did uh, a little, you did a little stream didn't you um, i did yes you, you were invited on to talk about last faith and i was yeah. very impressed really really good skills there with the whole streaming playing at the mm-hmm. same time it was i was very yeah proud, they, they very said proud. my my years of just being a youtube degenerate would pay off uh with nothing but i proved them wrong didn't i uh no i was on the india arena booth stream so the india arena booth hosts their own stream throughout gamescom uh, and it gets promoted on twitch and stuff so there was like i don't know four or five thousand people in the or technically watching i think those numbers are a little bit cooked because they're basically like front page numbers but no one's really <laughs> watching so like the chat is, is a bit slower than that and stuff like that but uh, if you want to go and check that out uh, then you can find it in the india arena booth twitch channel it should be archived there um nice. so yeah you can watch me do a bit of a walkthrough of our, our, our beta build for the last faith so yeah go check that stuff out um but bally uh we're here to talk about the video games what we've been playing what's been going on and uh, i guess I'll, I'll kick it off with gamescom stuff um you banished to put on your tnl hat just for a quick bit to have a, yeah. a, a wander around yeah so bally you'll remember back when we did gamecom in 2016 um there's this fun little hour in the morning where the press get in early um uh basically before the rabble there's a little bit of a window uh where you can be like flash your badge and be like haha i am a media person um i i was a tier above that because i was an exhibitor uh, which means i get in even earlier so we got in um uh, like 8 a.m sometimes um and a couple of times we did this. First time we did it was just kind of wandering around. We got, um, me and my colleagues got a nice picture of the Mario uh, pipe in the Nintendo area, which was a, a thing that had like a massive line later in the day, but <laughs> literally no one was there. So one of the Nintendo employees was taking photos of, I think someone, it was like, um, I think it was like a bunch of people from like Hoyoverse were taking pictures there for, um, and the Nintendo person was taking a picture of no, them. It was like the Mario Wonder style uh, yeah it was it was like a warp pipe it was just kind of a generic mario okay. pipe i guess um because uh wonder wasn't announced then was it i don't know th- it was it was I don't know. yeah yeah but, but they didn't I feel like they there. saved all their three-dimensional plastic for um packed west yes yeah exactly um so so yeah we got a nice picture there and we played some tekken um which was cool tekken 8 which is is looking really good but uh, my main goal bally was to um to play the one interesting thing in nintendo's booth now nintendo's booth had pikmin 4 and tears of the kingdom of course the most up-to-date games that you can't play anywhere else uh, so <laughs> can't uh, wait for those two games to come out yeah it'd be really good if nintendo just dropped those at some point you know been waiting a long time um i find it so weird i don't know how you feel about this but like people who go to conventions and play video games that are already out i don't know like i feel there's a lot of people out there probably who just don't own a switch or like i think gamescom attracts a very casual audience in a lot of ways like there's three hundred thousand people yeah i think it's the joy of 
let's go out with my gamer crew and let's just have a good time together and we yeah. might play some new games we might play some games we've already already owned or have played before and let's just have a good time on the day i guess is but the only way i can kind of describe it because but yeah back in 2016 when we went we were like why would anyone queue four hours to play fifa or like or overwatch was there there was so much overwatch stuff and yeah it was overwatch like, well and... you can do this at home right now yeah, exactly but, so we, yeah. we we were like on a mission to try and play of course. Like vr stuff and new stuff and mm-hmm. yeah so yeah totally but it it didn't stop nintendo's line for pikmin and tears the kingdom being like 200 people long right um so but the the thing that they did have was actually some new games that we're interested in uh namely the brand new 2d prince of persia i believe it's called the lost crown um and i spotted it early and i was like my mission if i do nothing else is to play that demo that's the one thing i want to play here um and i managed to do that so on the morning i think of saturday uh we got on super early and i decided here we go we're gonna do prince of persia uh, and i got there to the nintendo booth uh, and, and nothing was set up it was too early and the guy basically ushered me out and was like you're not allowed in here so <laughs> so he kicked me out he actually kicked me out um uh to for me to then end up going to sega instead so uh you know they they caused a rift there um i became a don't they know what uh, they're doing became a nintendo person uh, for a little <laughs> brief window um, because sega had uh, persona 5 tactica as well as the persona 3 uh, remake um but also sonic superstars so i was like well they'll probably let me play something because they're more chill than nintendo uh, and surprise surprise they were <laughs> so um so i played um sonic superstars which very briefly i'll say is fine like i think it's actually kind of bad because it it frankly feels like an old school sonic game in the way it controls right i think mm. one of the good things about mania is that mania felt modern in its feel but and like old. it looked old but it yeah. felt like a more modern sonic game. it played more like the gba games or like more modern 2d sonic games right. it had a fluidity and a flow to it that i really enjoyed and thought was snappy and fun whereas if you um, do the like new super mario brothers comparison i'd mm. argue new super mario brothers controls quite differently to say mario world right like it, i feel like the physics were had been updated considerably yes yeah absolutely i think like modern in a way that is quite good i, I think the new super mario brothers games feel pretty good right yeah um, generally um sonic superstars really feels like a step backwards because i picked up the controller and you know maybe this is lag and stuff like that but it really felt sluggish and unwieldy and slow and like turning around was not easy and it just felt like an old school sonic game in its feel Mm. and that is just not what i'm looking for these days right if i want a sonic game i want it to feel a bit more modern and sonic's all about speed and like mobility and movement and it just wasn't doing that there's i think part of it is the characters are very chunky they have that kind of blocky feel like i feel like a lot of sega games a lot of games of the genesis era are defined by a more brick like style in terms of the character design and the chunkiness of the pixels and all that sort of stuff and that felt full force here in this demo um so it was the first kind of two levels you know green hill zone um the difference here is that you get uh this power up that basically lets you do different things so the one that they showed off and they showed off already is the waterfall power where you basically if you turn on this water power then you can climb up waterfalls in the background so it adds like a nice um verticality uh, a, a nice kind of like background two and a half d layer to the space where you know sonic has sonic's always been about speed but it has also always been about alternate paths right like you think about those first levels and how many different layers there are it's like three different planes of action essentially in, in sonic levels and this feels like it's leaning a lot more into that and that exploration focus and i think because it controls a bit more clunkily 
they're, they're kind of leaning a bit more into the way that you do exploration in a sonic game um and like mm. i found a um one of the kind of uh, mini game things to get the chaos emerald and this one was like a kind of 3d thing where you're swinging like grappling hooks onto different points and then you eventually find like the thing in the middle um so it's it's varying up uh, a good amount the boss was a basic Eggman boss where he chases you you hit him very similar to you know a lot of those starting bosses in, in sonic games you, but you don't think it's going to make make big waves I, I feel like the Sonic people will love it, but the Sonic yeah. people love literally fucking anything. So, like, <laughs> they're very easily pleased, let's say. They're, um, they're, they're bruised souls by this point. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, maybe it is that the environment in terms of, like, controller and stuff just wasn't there and, and laggy and stuff like yeah. that. But, um, but yeah, it just didn't feel good to me. It just didn't feel fun to control. And I I really like the aesthetic they have, but I, I think everything else feels a little stuck in the past with this one. So, mm. um yeah, it does look very pretty. Uh, I think they were running it on PlayStations, I want to say. I think I played it with a DualSense. So, um, but it's coming to Switch, so, you know, mileage will vary, I'm sure, when it comes to Sonic. And if you're a Sonic fan, then ignore everything I've said because you'll buy it anyway. So um, I'm sure you'll have a good time. Uh, but um, yeah, the main thing that I want to talk about, Prince of Persia, um, which uh, talk about the opposite experience to Sonic. Like this game controls like a fucking dream. Holy shit. So I think we're very interested by this because of the positive word of mouth from people who played it at Summer Game Fest. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I was interested after Ubisoft revealed it at um, Jeff's show and I was like, oh, great. It's a Metroidvania Prince of Persia. Like this seems really cool. It has like a Metroid Dread almost style to it with two and a half D yeah. aesthetic. Um, but I was like, well, but how's it going to play? How's it going to feel? And it turns out uh, it's like perfect. It's it's like it's a if you think about the things that I care about in games, this is like every single one of them, which is like okay, it's 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 two D. It feels fast and fluid. Every movement is like precise and agile. There's platforming in there, interesting like kind of temples and Metroidvania level design. Like it's just was the level design. Did it feel quite Metroid Dread, or was it? a bit more obvious or less linear because there are aspects dread is in my view expertly crafted in the sense that it's fairly linear for the most part but that it's still you're still working out just enough of where to go next that it's it's a great balance of linear but not overly linear yes i would say that this feels more open than dread in a few different ways like the the thing with the demo was it felt like it wasn't built for a show in that it had a timer on it as opposed to anything else so like the space i could explore was pretty massive and i'm like man this is a long demo but then like 20 minutes hit and it's like thanks for playing basically is what Mm -hmm. happens so it basically does a timed thing where which makes sense for these booths you want people to move through and once the timer is over then you can easily get a rotation of certain number of people per hour that type of thing um which is smart practice for an event but because it was a timer thing it meant i could really go in any direction i wanted and the map felt pretty large and i had a lot of options of where to go and what to do um it has the kind of checkpoints of you know save areas uh, and things like that but it it was really cool because there's this um it's almost like time is a big thing with prince of persia right and rewinding and sands of time and that sort of stuff there is a mechanic that does that where you you activate a trigger it's like a crystal thing and the level starts to kind of morph and warp about and it opens up a new pathway uh, and it kind of like has things crash to the ground and build back up but it creates platforming challenges Ah, around those in a timed fashion which is really nice Um, and there was a lot of chaining together wall jumps into air dashes into Mm. 
you know spikes on walls but you're wall jumping between them like there's a section like where you drop down and you're doing almost an indiana jones temple style thing where there are two swinging things but there's platforms in the middle and you have to jump over dash underneath another one like really satisfying good platforming design um which i think is what is elevating this a little bit more for me because you know i love a good metroidvania but the ones i gravitate towards and we gravitate towards i think are the ori games which are so platforming yeah, focused yeah and if you're going to really take my heart, you're going to do stuff like that. And that feels the direction this is going in. That's like, really cool. The combat is really good as well. Like it feels snappy, satisfying. You can attack from every angle. So like if you're in the air and you do a down strike, it will have an animation for that. Have you just um, got your squishy sword? Is that all you had in the demo? Or? So that's the main weapon. You also get your bow and arrow. And the bow and oh. arrow is set to the other attack button. So your main attack is your sword. The other one is your bow. But the bow is a limited number of arrows. So you can use it from far away, but you'll run out of arrows and you can get more by defeating enemies or from item chests and stuff like okay. that. So you'll pick up more arrows but it's a limited resource um but a lot of it is enemies that are blocking you with shields and you're having to be like okay i have to jump over them to the other side to hit them from behind type of thing there'll be enemies that do the thing where you know they'll do an unblockable attack so they'll shine red so you can't parry there's a parry as well right so there's your basic straightforward attacks combos but then you can throw a parry in there to break an enemy uh guard and then do a bunch of damage to them very very satisfying stuff um and yeah they mix it up with some tougher enemies quite early on actually and i thought this is a good kind of level of challenge like i died a couple of times um i definitely got lost a little bit which is kind of what you want a little bit in metroidvanias um but still felt like i knew where i was going and where to progress um some really nice shortcuts being opened up um just like the fundamental fluidity like there's a button you hold to run in the game as well so you can hold it down to to run faster um and there's just a real momentum to running sliding under a thing you know jumping over it doing a wall jump chaining into a combo then starting to fight aerial enemies like there's a motion to a fluidity that i, I thought was is the, fantastic. Is the animation there because that's one aspect of metroid dread that was really like there was some youtube channels and things really breaking down and analyzing some of the incredible animation of mm. samus and just the way that she jumps and as you say like slides into a jump and that sort of thing yeah i would say it's it's not up to par with that unfortunately and i don't think many things can be just because of the time and dedication that nintendo has right, to yeah. to do this stuff um but you know it, it all looks really good i'll say so i it was on switch so i was playing the switch version and it was running really smoothly um i would say that it was dipping here and there but like it was it was mainly at 60 but then it was kind of jumping a little bit lower depending on the the place you're at but it didn't feel bad like it felt actually like they were using a bit of dynamic resolution so it may have been that that i was experiencing where you can definitely tell from a resolution standpoint it's not the best place to play it but i was playing on the tv not handheld so mm. i imagine if i kind of do want to play this on switch because it runs really well and i'll mainly be playing it handheld and i can imagine that oled this thing's going to look really nice so um so i actually was kind of sold on the switch version it's like one of the best third party switch games i've seen in a while if i'm honest in terms of like fluidity and, and motion and all that sort of stuff so frame rate is good um and resolution yeah i'd say resolution is not great but that's because the tv is you know a, a much higher resolution tv that they were showing on um that sort of stuff so yeah i um i'm very excited this thing's coming out start of next year so it's like very early 2024 game um but it's immediately shot up to like my most anticipated list um there's there's so much of me in this game of the things that i like and i'm like i have to i just have to play this thing it's, it's definitely calling out to me so um 
uh very excited and hopefully they put like a demo out or something because i think it would really sell a lot of people on it who haven't been already um because it has a, a lot of be nice for ubisoft to have a hit on switch because i think it would be the last um mario plus rabbers didn't do the best no it didn't but... it did not um and you know i don't know this um i feel like people have a non issue but i think it's it's harder to sell people on a 50 dollar game that's 2d yeah. um and i get why that's the case because of the rise of the indie market and how many high quality like hollow knight is like 12 quid for god's sake right yeah um yeah. and it's it's tough uh but i think that you know a high quality game like this is worth chilling out for so um, totally. yeah very much hope that it does well uh, hope that it turns out well as well so we shall see but um last little quick thing i also got to because uh, after i finished prince of persia there was a star ocean uh stand next by because uh, they also had star ocean second story r the remake of star ocean 2 available so i was like oh i'll just check this out and see what it's like and um i didn't realize star ocean is uh not turn-based at all <laughs> i had no idea that star ocean is actually action-based combat and so you have this thing where you know it's, it's kind of mimicking octopath traveler but it's it's very different in the sense that the the backgrounds are very much like 3d rendered environments like you know how octopath does kind of a blend of that where yeah. some of the backgrounds are three but a lot of it is still pixel art in terms of the houses and right. stuff like but that a cliff might be 3d but then yes. you're right the house is uh pixel art exactly exactly whereas this is just everything else is 3d that only the characters are pixel art and oh. the pixel art characters have a bit more interesting a depth to them i would say like they feel a little more 3d in the way that they're modeled um and there's a lot more kind of like wide angles bigger kind of spaces like there's a whole giant desert that i got to that i was wandering around so it, it kind of drops you in into like a save file 30 hours into the game so it doesn't do a good onboarding process it's very hard to demo rpgs at events like this so i totally appreciate it but um yeah it was it was hard for me to get my head around it it felt like i don't know the combat was it felt like tales in some sense like the tales of games where those are action combat but they're also kind of rpgs and i I thought it was interesting but i didn't really understand what was going on i was just pressing buttons and things were happening and i guess i won but i didn't really know why or how um so it feels like the sort of thing where if i was to get into it it would have to be like yes let's do the whole tutorial get into the combat Mm. understand how it really works but you can switch between characters you can jump between them at will um and um and you can do special moves and you can i think you can give other ones orders to do moves while you're not in direct control of them a lot of that stuff um but yeah, I don't know. There's, I couldn't really get a good read on it, a good impression of it, because it was, it's a hard thing to jump into. But it looked pretty, uh, is what I can say. So uh, people are excited to revisit that game or to play it for the first time. Seems like it's going to turn out decently. So there you go. Uh, those were my Gamescom games uh, for nice. 2024. Um, so happy I was able to play some stuff, um, at the very least, uh, among the busyness of everything else. Um but Bally, uh, I also played some other stuff, uh, both before and after Gamescom. Uh, and one of the games that I played is a game that I've been we talk about backlogs a lot, right? And you know, eventually I'll get around to this, I'll get around to that. Uh, this is a game that's been on my backlog for I don't know five, six years. I watched a quick look for it, I think in like 2017, something like that. Uh, it's a little game called Later Alligator um and i i remember watching this i think Vinny was driving the quick look and he was very into it the kind of charm of it the style of it it's basically a 
point what okay what if a point and click adventure game met warrior is kind of the pitch on this thing hmm. so the idea is that you you're this kind of detective guy and you see things uh, in, in first person um and you're point and clicking around the environment and you you're meeting up with this little this little alligator kid and this entire city it's like a it's like a i don't know an american city in the 80s or something i don't know what the the actual uh era of time is but it kind of has that kind of classic old school vibe to it um and you've it been hired old school now i yeah it is well, it's more than 40 years ago mate, so we're, so. we're getting there it's, it's ancient history um and um and you you meet this kid who's in a bar and he's like oh no uh something bad's gonna happen so i've hired you to figure out what's going on because people are keeping secrets from him and he doesn't know what's going on uh so you are this detective and you go around the city and you talk to family members other people people in the community everyone's an alligator basically and it's this whole city of alligators um and you talk to them and they pop up little mini games um and so the first one is this guy who's like ah i'm gonna do the three cups thing and he like has <laughs> he obviously puts like something under a cup and then slowly moves around the two next to it and it's like well obviously it's the one in the middle but then you click on it and like the cup moves on its own and you're like you click on it again and like it moves on its own again and it's like it's it's like adds a bit of comedy to the idea of the mini game so like you never really get what you expect essentially um and so it, it kind of adds the 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 mini games are more a means to an end for some storytelling stuff as opposed to like actually things that you want to be good at or like have uh, you know a lot of challenge associated with them um there's some trickier ones later on there's one early that's like a crane machine and you have to get the exact thing that the girl wants from the crane machine and if you know how crane machines work they're a fucking pain in the ass because they never do what you want them to um but uh, but this this one wasn't too bad for me um and yeah you just kind of go around these different environments you also have a timer though so you're always looking at your, your watch to be like well i need to i don't have enough time to speak to everybody and do every mini game so i'm going to do as many as i can and then you get to the end and there's kind of like I, when i read about it i was like i'm probably not going to do all this stuff because it's like you just get to one ending and then you can kind of be done with it but there's there's so much more stuff in there. there's a lot of charm involved so i was like i'm just gonna keep playing after the credits just to see and it's a very short game anyway i think i hit the first credits about two hours and it took me another couple of hours to go through every single person and play every mini game in the game to get the true ending basically so i got three different endings one was the first one a second one where it kind of leaves uh, a little bit of mystery open and it's like the third one where you collect everything and you come to the end and you finally do it um and they do a nice thing where they let you skip a bunch of stuff so you don't have to do stuff you've already done on a second run so it's pretty streamlined it doesn't even feel like you're doing a second run it feels like i'm just continuing where i left off but i'm not worrying about the timer anymore basically which i think is quite good uh, and encouraged me to explore all the districts because there's like three different districts of the city and each one has like five or six characters in them that you can engage with you can get dialogue from and it's fun because every time you talk to somebody you have like a checklist of like uh who are you and like how do you know the the guy that we're talking about and like what what is the event that's going to happen or what's going on and um you kind of slowly piece things together as you talk to people and you also get a um every time you finish their game you get a kind of family crest emblem um a lot of them are kind of from the same alligator family and at the main hub area you can talk to uh this alligator's mum and she has a whole family tree and part of the game is to fill in everybody's identity as you go along so you kind of fill in the family tree and by the end you have an entire picture of who everybody is and how they're connected and all that sort of stuff so it's it's neat um i think it's a um has a great style to it the animation is fantastic um and it it feels fresh because 
every single game that you play is is different and unique and has some like little twist to it i'd say some of them get a little bit annoying or repetitive or can be like a little frustrating so there's one where you have to it's like a baby monitor and you have to keep these ghosts away from this baby by switching switches and changing stuff and it, it took me a couple of times to get it and it was just i got a little bit annoying um but i think aside from some of the jankiness and some of the mechanics uh it it overwhelmingly has like a charming vibe and a a cool kind of i don't know the music really fits the tone as well um there's a it's a classic uh kind of feel to it and in, in a way that I, I really enjoyed and not black and white but has that almost i don't know it, it wasn't very saturated as a palette it feels like the saturation's kind of been taken out of it um, mm. but it fits the the tone that they're going for so and it's on um, switch it is yes um okay. i played it on pc i actually originally started it on steam deck um, and I realized on Steam Deck it wasn't really built for it because so many of the games require a mouse and the mouse functionality on Steam Deck is really, let's say, awkward because you use that touchpad thing and it doesn't work very well. And if you use the touchscreen on a Steam Deck, it basically acts as a mouse, so it doesn't work in the same way. Whereas on Switch, I believe it's optimized for the touchscreen itself, so it's properly ah, okay. made for that. So it makes sense to play this handheld uh, on Switch. And, you know, it's, it's a 2D game. It's, it's a very very uh, easy to uh, to run and stuff so um i imagine it's a, a very good version on switch as well so um definitely uh, check it out it only took me like four hours total uh, to do everything um one thing that i would critique is like the you have to repeat the end section multiple times and the end section is this whole like walking through a hotel with a flashlight and trying to find your way in the dark and by the third time i was like i i, I wish i could skip this basically because i'm like i don't mm. i've done this before i know i know what i'm doing but that was the only real uh, kind of black mark on the ending because i liked it quite a bit so that's later alligator um and then to close out my rock block ballet is uh, going back to a classic game a game that i have been meaning to play for a long time uh, and which i promised myself i wouldn't buy any more of the collections until i'd finished it um it's Mega Man 6 the sixth Mega Man game on nes um they certainly made a lot of those back in the day um and uh, this is the last game that I hadn't played in the first Mega Man Legacy collection. Um, <laughs> they there put are six man, on one collection. That, that they did, cool. yeah, yeah. Well, the reason it is is because the the seventh Mega Man game was a Super, Super Nintendo, Nintendo game, right. and then the eighth one was a PS one game. I want to say, There's and only then one nine Mega Man on Super Nintendo. I believe, well, the, the, here's the thing I was going to say with the Legacy Collections, there's the Mega Man X games, which is what happened on mm-hmm. Super Nintendo, is that right. they made the X series, which is <laughs> it's really what Mega Man is known for on the Super Nintendo, is the X series of games. So there's also Mega Man X uh, Legacy Collection 1 and 2. So so I own, I think, the first Mega Man X Legacy Collection, um, as well as Mega Man Legacy Collection 2, and I need to get the second X Collection. They also have the Zero Collections on there now. That Look, they made a lot of fucking Mega Man games back in the day. They really, uh, no one stopped them. No one said to Keiji Inafune, hey, slow down, my dude. He was like, no, this train continues uh, at a pace and we're never going to stop it. Uh, so, uh, so yes, I've, I finally finished one of these collections um, by uh, closing out Mega Man 6. And um, I think Mega Man 6 is very high up my list, I'll say. I think that five and six are kind of similar in a lot of senses they feel like the moment in the series where they figured it out from a 
let's streamline these a bit more let's not be bullshit difficult let's have weirder bosses let's let's kind of take a look at the power-ups and how they work and make them a little more streamlined i think this is the most streamlined of all of them um it it doesn't do the thing that i hate about Mega Man 3 i put up a ranking after i finished this of my favorite Mega Man's. Mega Man 3 is always on the bottom and i know that's sacrilege to like lots of people because people love Mega Man 3 and they grew up with it and it's probably the second most popular one after Mega Man 2 Mega Man 3 commits the cardinal sin of being really fucking annoying with its second stage where you beat all the robot masters in Mega Man 3 and then the second stage of it is four more stages but these stages are basically double the length where you fight through one section fight a boss in the middle and then have to fight through another section and fight another fucking boss at the end and you have to do that four times and it sucks and it's bullshit and I think it's the worst part of the NES Mega Man series um, and I appreciate people you know love it but I think it is the my least favorite because it's it's bullshit difficult in a lot of ways that I just didn't appreciate um, so Mega Man 3 is always the bottom of my list but it's Six, I think, handles it really nicely, where you beat the six robot masters, and then you get a kind of, you know, you usually get the Wily Castle section, right, where it's like, now you're going to go through four levels in a row before fighting Wily at the end. So they do that once with a character called Mr. X, um, who you can tell from the beginning is just Dr. Wily in sunglasses, essentially, it's like a stupid thing, uh, but it's like, go through Mr. X's castle, and it's like, haha, it was me, Dr. Wily, all along, and then you go through another four levels, which are the Wily Castle levels, so um, I, I like that structure to it. It's nice because it gives you the the robot masters, but then it also gives you like a few more levels afterwards, which are well designed and have some fun bosses and stuff like that. Um, another streamlining aspect is that Rush now becomes part of Mega Man. So in the past, what would happen is you would be like, "Oh, I need to get over this gap. I'm going to call down Rush and jump on him, and he'll jet me over," or I'll call him down and I'll jump on him and he'll bounce me over. Now you are Rush, basically. So those power ups just become part of you, and so like instead of jumping on him to jet around the place you just have a jetpack you just turn red and you have a jetpack and you can control it like any other game where you like hover the jump button to like hover and it feels like pretty innovative for an nes game and like those mechanics like because you didn't see a lot of stuff like that back then um and it feels like quite you can tell that this is a late era nes game and they've played they've done a lot of these because a lot of those systems just feel a bit more advanced a bit more fluid um it's the same thing with like the there's like a uh, heavy power up where you can do a big punch basically um, and you can charge it up and stuff like that uh, and the charging still remains here i will say that charging once they introduced it um after i think Mega Man 3 i think Mega Man 4 introduced charging Mega Man 3 introduced the slide um the slide is still here as well but as soon as they inter- introduced the charge beam in Mega Man 4 onwards it feels like that's the only way you should be playing um, or using the other power-ups because the really, when you try and fight some of those bosses with just the pea shooter there's no chance in hell you're going to get through them. Like, they just don't do enough damage. You have to be holding a charge. Slight frustrating thing is if you get hit while holding a charge, you lose the charge and you have to restart it again, so there's a little bit of fumbling going on there. Um, But I, I do think that overall, this game makes things a little bit more fluid uh with with that stuff like you once you get the power up it feels like okay now i can go into this boss fight and i know what the weakness is and i can take them down relatively easy it's always just a little hard at the beginning like my least favorite part of a Mega Man game is figuring out how to defeat that first boss because that first boss you don't have shit you don't have any power-ups and no way to do, do it easily so you're gonna have to just grind through in that difficult fight and do it um and some of the bosses are weird here like the centaur man who i think is one of the weirdest bosses in the series because 
their attack is also not very good they just do like one beam and it goes past you and then it hits the wall and then it spreads out into like five different beams and they just do that constantly and that's the, really the only attack they use um so it feels like some they're maybe getting to the end of their tether with like boss design and ideas for enemies and stuff like that um some of them are just kind of like not reskins but like ideas used again it's like here's flame man who's like the same as like a fire man in Mega Man 2 or whatever um it's it, you eventually you get to the point i think in the x series where they get a bit more creative with them and they're more like animal focused um mm. but i think the ones that we've gotten to by this point are just like yeah they are i don't know there's some weird weird guys in here and that's that's who you're, who you're playing against so um th- there is sometimes a balance of is the level hard or is the boss hard and it it feels like it swings both ways where sometimes i'll breeze through a level and the boss will be really difficult versus the level will be impossible but then the boss will be super easy so um there's there's an interesting kind of balance there and i think that's mainly in the robot master levels once you get past that it feels a lot better um and then there's also this whole like unlocking uh letters thing where so those power-ups like the jet and the the kind of super strong move they let you unlock different paths and there's alternate routes to finish some of these levels and if you do those alternate routes you collect letters kind of like i guess in donkey kong but you're only collecting one letter and the letters are b-e-a-t which spell beat and beat is the name of the little uh little bird who follows Mega Man around and you can see him in box art and stuff like that and if you do that you then unlock beat as a uh, suit that you can use and beat basically is a little bird who comes and like homes in on enemies and just attacks for you um, I didn't really use beat that much it seemed like beat was more useful in Mega Man 5 as opposed to 6 um, but uh, but it's there if you want to do it and it's a nice little it's a nice little prelude to what the X games would do because the X games ask you to go back to levels and find um, pieces of armor that then give you more power and abilities and stuff like that so the X series kind of ran with that idea but it's nice to see the seeds of it even on the NES where they're like oh no if you do this alternate route you can get this this thing that will eventually give you a different uh, kind of costume so um, I thought that was quite um and and yeah i I would say that this ranks pretty highly i said in that tweet that it was my third favorite i think i actually like it more than five because it just it just feels like the most modern the most refined version of Mega Man. so i would probably put this as my second favorite after Mega Man 2 i really really enjoyed it um and i think it just it's just a it's a nice Mega Man game to jump into if uh if you're wanting you know this this type of flavor but don't want to be frustrated by it because i think it it balances that stuff really nicely so uh Mega Man 6 uh finally done with the nes games um i can move on to the next legacy collection and play the the games that people like a lot less uh, than, than those ones i think seven and eight do not have a good reputation nine and ten are super weird because those are games that look exactly like Mega Man one through six but they were made for WiiWare, so they were made on the wii for WiiWare. um and i booted up the second Mega Man legacy collection and it turns out guess what uh no fucking rewinding in this one so that's gonna be great um that's gonna really help um they're still save saying stuff but it feels like it works a bit different i don't know if they do that for Mega Man 9 and 10 as well but 7 certainly uh doesn't quite have the same uh, pizzazz behind it so we'll see we'll see how that goes but my Mega Man journey continues i'll uh just like dragon quest final fantasy i'll eventually have beaten all the Mega Man games so uh there you go Sweet. that is me bali uh you have been playing a hell of a lot of our little friend pikmin 4 we've been playing a bit more pikmin 4 uh i think last time when we spoke about pikmin 4 i was maybe five hours in um 
If you told me at the start of 2023 that I would spend about 40 hours playing Pikmin 4 and that I've not even done everything in that game uh-huh. yet, uh, I would have been stunned. Because, uh, yeah, this game, uh, I, said, I said this on Twitter, has more endings than Lord of the Rings Return of the King. Like <laughs> This game just goes on and on and on in a good way. Like I, I think that while what you're doing is systematic, uh, there was definitely enough variety that kept me wanting to come back. Now we should warn here that we're gonna we're gonna get into like vague level spoilers for the end game. So there's like a, an initial set of credits at, at mm-hmm. about I don't know, fifteen hours. And yeah, we're gonna talk yeah. about all the hours 40 minus 15 going yeah. on from there so, so. I'll, I'll put a timestamp here or i yeah. guess like you what you can do is you can just skip forward to the new segment because uh, right we'll, we'll take exactly. a break after this and yeah, uh, yeah we'll and i'm that. not going to talk about any specific bosses or anything but um yeah I, I i think that what this game does well is there's a constant variety of the locations and the enemies in particular like yes there are bosses and let's say bosses like big enemies that do repeat themselves I genuinely think like the they don't repeat themselves to the point of like oh and here we go again this guy it feels like there's enough freshness um especially in like some of the dungeons where you're going down level 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 and they do have like especially near the end game there's like a real challenge I think there's one like marathon um dungeon is it like 10 levels in Brazil? I can't even remember like but I think that that dungeon does have like new enemies almost on every single level and they say new enemies 20 levels it 20? I it's 20, very last right, one. Yeah. yeah and i just got real satisfaction constantly with this game where it's a great combination of chill because the main game you're not you know racing against time it's all you've had unlimited days uh and then you've got the the the, the fun of like some really quite challenging at times enemies and just like this this balance of exploration and combat and it's a it still feels like a really unique formula that this game is just doing so much better than the other games and i think it's even the small stuff in pikmin that they just get right where it's it's the music it's the sound design it's the controls like there's a real synergy to to like the throwing of pikmin and the game renders you can have a hundred pikmin maximum obviously and the game renders them so seamlessly that I, I didn't have any issues with like slowdown or anything and it's that sound design and all the small things that pikmin i think just gets right and i thoroughly thoroughly like loved this game right right to the end like, i think those those last couple of areas have some pretty tricky dandori challenges but i, I still thought that they were really good fun and at the start of the game i thought is dandori really where pikmin shines and i think the combination of having those dandori challenges but also the kind of more chilled overworld stuff i think it's like a really nice combination and i i loved i just loved every moment of it honestly i think that i was excited for pikmin 4 and i thought it was going to be pretty good when i had started it last time uh but now i'm just kind of in awe at how great this game is over overall like i think pikmin 4 could be like you know the fire emblem awakening <laughs> of the series yeah. hopefully it's certainly like, selling that way like in japan especially yeah. it's doing extremely well in terms of numbers so right um, i think there's even a comment about like they're gonna get they're gonna they promise like the wait for the next pikmin will be much shorter and 
I could imagine the first few yeah, years. Yeah, I heard Miyamoto said that it's almost done, uh, Pikmin 5, uh, <laughs> so it's coming uh, <laughs> yeah, <pretty exactly>. soon. <laughs> so I think in the first few years of the Switch 2 or whatever, I think there's we're going to get a Pikmin 5. But like th- this game is awesome. It's got that level of Nintendo polish and... I'd I'm I'd put it in that like Luigi's Mansion three category honestly mm, it's that it's mm. that high in my mind uh, yeah. and what's wild is there's still Dandori challenges and um yeah I I did do the Olimar challenge at the end of the game yeah how how did you find that thing because I started that and I was like is this like a totally brand new areas and everything and it turns out not quite but it feels like it's retreading in a different way because the starting area is different from the main game for that but yeah you you still have a lot of areas to go through and kind of it's it's where you take classic pikmin like they right. hid a classic pikmin game inside this non-classic pikmin exactly game, which, is cool. which is awesome it takes in the same way that the overworld is chill for the main game and then you have the more tense dungeons and the even more tense dandori challenges it removes all the dungeons all the dandori challenges and turns the overworld into one grand dandori challenge oh interesting so So, there's no caves and stuff in that entire thing there's no caves so you are playing your i guess that each day is maybe i don't know 10 minutes 15 right yeah it's probably 10 closer to 10 minutes but and you're getting your abilities gradually by collecting more ship parts so at the start you can't even like recall pikmin you, you don't even have uh, olimar's dog is moss not ochi you don't have oh, right. uh, yeah. moss you you are literally just olimar by himself and you have no pikmin and you literally pick that first red pikmin and you build from there to the point where i think i did the whole thing you have 15 days to do it and I was quite tight by the end. I think I did it in 13 days. And Mm. it uses the first four areas of the game. Um, Those areas are the same, but they've removed all the dungeons and there's new enemies in them. Uh, And then you obviously have the 30 shit parts that you're having to collect. Uh, Yeah. I loved it. I think that it's really nice because I wouldn't have enjoyed it so much if it was the start of the game, but I feel like by the end, you really honed your skills uh and then you've enjoyed a few more dandori challenges and then the game's like right well here's this and it took me i think 2.5 3.5 hours overall i can't remember what my clock i think it was like it three and a half it said or three something and a half. thing yeah exactly and it was it was awesome it was tense but i really enjoyed it and it felt very satisfying and i've not played pikmin 1 i played quite a bit of pikmin 2 and that game did have some stress um not as much as pikmin 1 apparently but if you're that person who's like, oh, don't like Pikmin 4, it's not got the the stress of days and this kind of thing. It's nice that this exists for that crowd. And mm-hmm. I'm totally here for both aspects of Pikmin. And I love that that aspect is in this game because I think it's a really nice mode to just say, you know what, let's see what my Dandori skills are like and let's try this overworld exploration style thing. Um, plus also it's a prequel to the main story yeah, um, yeah main game story which i think is a nice little twist as well there's nothing especially because you get teased it at the very beginning of the game where you play as olimar exactly you're, you're you're playing part of that basically um now there's no big oh and that led to this at the after you beat it or anything but it's still really satisfying um and then you unlock more stuff even after that uh that i've not gone back to yet but it's the kind of like dandori dungeon style things that are very end game stuff that i might play a bit of ahead of game of the year but uh mm. yeah that that stuff is really cool i i i'm really 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 impressed by pikmin 4 um 
how did you find the, the game since last time yeah very similar I, so i didn't end up doing the olimar challenge I, i'd like to move on and, and do that at some point but it's it's kind of nice to have something not done in pikmin 4 because means you can go back to it and uh, similar to like to the kingdom it would be a very satisfying thing to play at the end of the year just just that yeah. olimar challenge bit of a reminder right uh and yeah similar with tears of the kingdom where like i kind of i would like to go back to both these games right before we do game of the year stuff and revisit and you know do more of the shrines i haven't done do more of the olimar challenge that i haven't done um and remind myself why i really like both these games right um so i think it's it's good to leave it open um i ended up like that last dungeon hearing from people like it was a big step up in challenge and so actually one of the things that i did was i went and farmed a bunch of purple pikmin i knew needed them because there's one you can't get 100 percent in the game until you get that one giant gold bar i did the the same as you yeah gold bar requires a thousand pikmin and the easiest way to do that is a hundred purples so i decided all right it's the um, only way to do it yeah it is, yeah it really is there's no other way because I, I was thinking like could you do something with ochi but ochi can only do a maximum of a hundred so really you could do nine actually i guess you could technically do 900 plus ochi but you can't do that because i i initially tried that then i realized ochi can't get up to the area where the gold bar yeah, exactly. is yeah. so you actually do need 100 purples in order to do it um so i yeah i, I went and got 100 of them uh there's one cave in the last area where it's very easy to just do the first level and you get 10 in that first level um so i did that like a bunch of times didn't take too long and i had 100 purples and so for the last level i decided i'm going to take 50 of those with me and then, and then spread the rest out over other ones that i need basically um and yeah i, I really enjoyed the challenge of it there's it, the rewind was really important it's in nice, the late game yeah. um especially like some of those levels where there was the big roly fat worm guy who god that that one was maybe the toughest level in that dungeon it's really um, tricky other yeah. than the final boss i thought the final boss was tricky quite tricky but um. yeah definitely especially because the final boss requires every single type of pikmin to stop right. those those yeah. attacks from happening um so yeah i i did i really like the the big dog basically who's the final boss and thought that was good but yeah that, that big rolling fat worm was like you had to jump over him with the pads avoid the rocks falling then like usually loop back around before you could throw a bunch of pikmin at him to do damage so it was a nice boss fight and i definitely think i managed to cheese that boss if you want to know oh really okay so if you what just you use doing? like rock pikmin they can't get squished oh that um, makes sense so yeah i just threw in a bunch of them some of them did get eaten at the top end ah okay but yes. um yeah they can't get squished so they just keep bouncing off them and it eventually does kill them oh yeah. interesting that's cool yeah, yeah that's definitely a, a cool way around it um and I, I like that i like that you can kind of choose your approach with pikmin yeah. um and uh can kind of uh you know decide who are your favorites which your your favorites and, and i'm really impressed by like the new pikmin in terms of, like the ice pikmin especially ice is so fucking good it's holy shit powerful in combat but i think like the whole idea of freezing planes of water into ice that you then walk over like it's a really nice um puzzle mm. element to the game and there's one dandori challenge i think it's in that final area where you need to like freeze freeze uh, areas of water walk over them come around and it's like for this fire and ice style level and yeah like yeah i thought that stuff was really well designed and by the end of the game i really loved like dandori and that satisfaction of trying to be efficient and 
defeating enemies and using Ochi in, in interesting ways where like you can just send Ochi to just he was like my guy that just defeated enemies and then yeah. I'd spend the Pikmin on other things and do these things at the same time and right. um, it's nice because when you're doing the Dandori challenges as like the the person challenging you the leafling or whatever um, they will comment on like that's good Dandori or don't leave your Pikmin standing so like they're commentating on how well you're doing in the moment and kind of reminding you how to do a bit better yeah those those last ones were super tricky um there was one that i actually ended up skipping because it was just too difficult for me to get through i was doing it like a couple of times i was like man this one was is the one where you have to there's like an upper area and um you have to like get oh Pikmin you can skip up. them i thought you had to do them all no I, I i don't know i just i got to a point and they were like oh do you want to skip this i was like i guess i oh. will so hmm. um okay. yeah it's, it's nice they have that accessibility that one is tough yeah that 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 one i think was that was the hardest one tight. in the game for me yeah, i was like yeah. i just don't this one is really difficult like you really have to know exactly what order to do things in and make sure you just don't ha- it feels like you don't have enough power with the pikmin to deal with the enemies as well so that um, yeah that's where i used ochi a bit more as a tank yes. just to kind of help out with that stuff right yeah, did you sense. complete all the night challenges no i was close to doing them but i didn't quite do it the final couple are pretty damn tough they're like some really powerful are you like defending three places as opposed to two no the maximum's two okay but it it's the there's basically like a really big enemy that you and then they throw multiples of that Ah, plus another really big enemy i see Um, okay and you have to preempt before i had to like go and attack this enemy do half damage to it because i didn't have enough time Mm. then come back to another location as olimar wait until that enemy gets activated to attack the the base you're defending Mm. i can't remember the name and the hub hub, and then attack it and do the the other half of damage because i had to like strategically do half damage come back and let it come at me it was just like Oh, yeah, I really had to come up with a strategy and it took me like, I don't know, four, five, six times total. Mm. It was it was tough, but um, very satisfying. I, I started the game being a bit like, oh, these night missions are a bit of a chore, but uh, by the end, I like what they're doing. Like, th- th- this game is ultimately, it's got this, it's got these game mechanics, the Pikmin mechanics, collect Pikmin, throw them at enemies, and then it feels like it's using them in different ways, whether that's the overworld exploration or the Dandori, or the dungeons, or the night missions where it's kind of like tower defense. It's like a really nice way of showing off, hey, we can actually make four kind of different styles of games in one game. Um, And I think they pull it off. I I was pleased with the night missions by the end. However, I still want to give credit to uh, the Wild at Heart for incorporating using night pikmin like overnight because uh, i think that's one area i'd love pikmin 5 to like try and incorporate is like can you actually have a type of pikmin you stay up late with and do some stuff at night because that would be really cool just to the whole day night cycle yeah or even just like a pikmin game where you never return to a hub where you stay out and you just have to deal with nighttime yeah, as it is cool. yeah um and then i wonder if that's the direction to go i do like the hub though i think it's a nice idea to collect all the people and then each of the people do different things mm-hmm. and you have that area where you can kind of chill out plan 
and it's not timed or anything there's no pressure so yeah it's um, nice looking at your kind of treasures as well and having these right. little encyclopedias like um there's there's certain ones where you collect parts of a thing and then you can see the whole thing so the robot's yeah. a good example where you collect all the parts and then you can see the entire robot like built together oh, um, i didn't know about the robot i checked out the train track um oh right yes yeah, yeah yeah so there's a few a few of those um and it's also like you know just just Getting that fucking GBA oh, micro and things like wave that. Wave race, and blue storm. Oh, yeah, just looking great, at those, those little shiny things, I think is really, really neat. So, um, yeah, it's nice. Uh, and I think, yeah, it really is the ultimate Pikmin game in a lot of ways. Yeah. They just stuff every single aspect of the series in here. Um, and it works super well. And, you know, control-wise, I was surprised by how how well they made it work, given how well Pikmin 3 worked previously. Exactly, yeah, yeah. So, and even though there wasn't wasn't the three characters that you're controlling simultaneously like Pikmin 3, and I was wondering if the game was going to build to that and it never did, I was still pleased with the strate- strategizing using Ochi. And even though it was just two points, the fact that Ochi can do stuff that Olimar can't do and vice... Not Olimar, your character. Mm-hmm. Um, and vice versa means that I still think there was enough strategy there and there were days where I was really trying to rush and get stuff wrapped up before nighttime. And I still felt that pressure in a good way. And yes, Pikmin 3 has the three officers all working in tandem, but maybe that's something I can explore with Pikmin 5. And I certainly still miss many of the bosses from Pikmin 3. I think they were really cool and like epic. And there are epic fights in this game, just not as many. Um, yeah, they happened a little bit later and yeah. like they, they appear, but... They're none of them i would say are unique like a lot of them are retreads of things you've seen before or retreads of things in previous pikmin games no totally and imagine like three more bosses in this game that were of the ilk of the final boss for example yeah exactly just one at the end of every other world if there's six worlds let's do one at the end of every other world uh that would have been just cherry on top yeah and and make them the types of bosses where you can't do them in one like that's one of the things i really liked about pikmin 3 is like you are forced to run away and come back and fight them another day that's really cool i like that aspect as well um yeah like pikmin 4 wow 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 like it's it's a really special game um and you know this is a year where it's, it's arguably the best year in gaming since 1998 and sure. um, i would probably agree in many aspects and but i'm sure not enough people are talking about pikmin 4 in that debate but you know for me it's it's up there i'm really really impressed by pikmin 4 and it's it was a joy it was a joy to play in this it was so easy to pick up and play stick a podcast on and just to explore and yes a lot of it is just very base level collecting it's not particularly strategic but the amounts the areas where there are strategy and stuff like the night missions it does mix it up enough where i was just super impressed by everything this game had to offer i i think it's a really really special game yeah uh it's a hell of a thing and uh hey here's to more pikmin i hope uh certainly seems like that's going to be the case four entries in 20 years yeah yeah 20, um, 23 years was pikmin 1 2000 i guess it was yeah. it was gamecube uh launch title yeah, launch right title, yeah um so along with wave race blue storm yeah yeah i guess that's why it was included as uh as a shout out so there you go um well uh i think that is going to do us that's going to close us out for the first segment but don't go anywhere we're going to be right back after this break with some news see you in a bit
All right, everybody, welcome back to the second half of today's show. Um, I realised at the beginning, Bally, I didn't actually ask you to say know, what the, straight into <laughs> the layout of the show was. Um, Bally, what, what is the second segment? What are we doing here? There's been a bit of news, MBZ, uh, just a few bits and bobs. We've got the Mario Wonder Direct. Uh, Charles Martinet is no longer the voice of Mario, and there was mm. a strange video that came out today, the recording, um, which was weird. Um, and Tears of the Kingdom is not getting any DLC, says Anuma. So, yeah. So a few different that. things to hit. Um, but yes, uh, as always, our recording schedule never lines up with Nintendo. There's rumors of a Nintendo Direct coming, yeah, Valley. Yeah, that um, is so happening next week. You know it's, it. It's happening next it. week. Uh, actually, the week you're listening to this show, uh, there's going to be one probably. And uh, again, we're going to have to wait until next episode for us to talk about it. So thanks, Nintendo, for continually being on point uh, with all your timing. Just wonderful for this show. Just great for our numbers and everything. So <laughs> appreciate it. But um, Mary Wonder uh, Direct happened, uh, which was interesting and cool and showed off some new stuff um how are you feeling about this game bally after seeing that that whole presentation yeah i'm i'm about at the same level as the announcement really i didn't see when the announcement came i was like this looks cool i like that they're mixing up things but at its core it still feels very new super mario brothers brothers and that's got all its kind of baggage those connotations that go with that and i didn't see anything in this kind of mini direct that you know dissuades me from that view really uh i'm still excited for this game but boy when you consider like how i feel about 2d mario compared to so many of the kind of podcast circles i listen to like people are damn hot on 2d mario compared to me and yeah um i'm hoping this game will still be very fun but my my expectations are it's going to be a very solid 2D Mario game, and I'm still going to wish that 2D Mario was bigger and bolder. Um, and I didn't, I didn't see. Yes, there are bold things in this game, but they're bold within the the framework of 2D Mario. They're not bold. Yes. They're not going beyond that boundary. No, they're not breaking down the fundamentals of what this has always been. Yeah. And although Bowser is now a castle. That's true, yeah. No, very important change uh, yeah. that was needed. But, like, you look at this director, it's like, oh, it's an underwater level. And, like, things are different in the underwater level, but Mario moves the same way he's always moved underwater. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> y- you know, it's it's going to be a left-to-right affair. Um, you know, we're not breaking any boundaries or doing anything bold or crazy with the fundamental structure, the fundamental idea of a Mario level. Yeah. of a, That a we know Mario of. Game. That we know of, yeah. And I'm sure like things like the Wonder Flowers shake things up a lot, right? And every single one yeah. does a totally different thing. And some of the ones they showed here are like, well, sometimes you just turn into a fucking balloon Mario and go up to the screen um, and it will just like completely change the level. Or like mm. one of them reminded me of Yoshi Touch and Go where they're falling through clouds to the ground. Right, right. Um, stuff like that. I think the more of that stuff that's in there, the better. Um, and like if, you, if every level has something like that where it's totally unique and different i think this will be something pretty special you know ultimately i think they're probably yeah. going to repeat a few ideas and things will come back but i i was gonna say and i think guillaume said this on rfn um but is there is there anything there that really rewrites the rules much more than say the changing abilities in yoshi's island for example where you're like the helicopter and then you're the drill mm. and then you're like I'm not seeing anything that's way beyond some of those ideas personally. Like these are just different ways of transforming. Mm-hmm. And yes, they change up the gameplay and yes, they're exciting. And I think you've nailed it that 
if these ideas, there's one idea per level that doesn't come back, unless it's maybe something endgame, who knows? But yeah. if it doesn't repeat itself, like a game like, um, what was the Kirby game from last year? that Forgotten Land. Forgotten Land, exactly, where the first three hours of that game were fantastic, and then the final three worlds where they were repeating the ideas of the first three worlds, in my view, fell flat a lot more but mainly because they were were repeating ideas like mm-hmm. car kirby and now you're the the uh, vending machine kirby and now you're the like if mario wonder can keep that freshness and keeps its like campaign short enough where it doesn't feel the need i mean it'll be obviously no there's seven worlds and probably an eighth yeah like, we know well we know that's a lie because it always happens with mario games right. where they're like well actually but to be fair like maybe not because the 2d mario games don't really follow the pattern of what 3d land 3d worlds did um so maybe it is just seven worlds and maybe there is only one extra world but like my expectation for mario wonder is reviewers will get an embargo that says you can only talk about the first x number of these and right. then after release everyone's like oh it's gonna be like all these other things happening with it but yeah we'll see how that goes i but. want so we know about elephant mario i yes. want there to be like cheetah mario that is embargoed and you mm-hmm. don't hear you don't know about cheetah mario until you unlock the, those second seven worlds you know yes, like, yeah. i want that kind of crazy level of shit and i'm skeptical that that it's not there um, yeah i think elephant mario might be the only animal power-up we get especially because in this it's shown that multiple other characters turn into elephants as well it's not like a i think kind of funny we're speculating like what if every character got their own power-up of like daisy becomes a giraffe right, or like right. luigi becomes i don't know a swallow you know it's like yeah, just weird yeah. transformations that are different uh, for each character and therefore it gives you a reason to use each character one of the weird things i found about this they were like and every character plays the same so you can choose your favorite one really interesting decision um, whereas like i guess that makes sense if you want everyone to kind of be on an even playing field but one of the ideas behind you know different characters in the past mario 2 especially is the distinctive differences between them yeah. where peach can float and luigi has a flutter kick and and that was a real cool aspect of 3d world and like mm. playing that multiplayer on, on yes. wii u was just like yeah now toad's speeding through the level like that's cool he can do that and jumps a little shorter and that kind of thing like right i, I like that and now that's gone <laughs> so, yeah yeah so yeah that's cool <laughs> yeah totally and and i think that having we were just talking about this before uh, we started recording, but the idea that Yoshi is now a character who can't die kind of sucks, I think, for people who like to play as Yoshi, especially because Yoshi exactly. has... Just let any character not die, and any right. character can die. Like, just make it an option. Like, just do a yeah, tick box. It's so fucking stupid. Like, if I'm an, a Yoshi fan, and I want to play as Yoshi, well what if i want to play as yoshi but die and have the, the ability to be knocked back and stuff like that and they're just like nope all like this is the fucked up thing like they could have they have multiple colored yoshis they could have been like the red one is the one that you know yeah, doesn't exactly. and you know the green one's a regular yoshi but they're like no all the fucking yoshis are the same like it, <laughs> god yeah some really baffling decisions when it comes to that stuff and nintendo have always been like that and they will continue to be like that i think when it comes to making these decisions that they're like no this is the nintendo experience and this is how you'll experience it uh so yeah. that's a little frustrating i would say uh, especially because yoshi has the unique power of people being able to ride on him and use that ability um and yeah also like suck people up into his mouth and turn them into eggs and things like that like he's got a cool power set but it means basically that he can't turn into an elephant like he's he is invincible and he has these cool powers but he can't take any of the other powers either. yeah so well at least there's online co-op uh-huh yes definitely you can play together with your friends in the same space um 
I mean, like, I think we all knew it was going to be a clusterfuck, given how bad the co-op in Mario Maker 2 was. Like, maybe the worst online implementation in a Nintendo game, and that's saying something, but, like, the lag on Mario Maker 2 online, unfucking fathomably bad. Like, un conscionable like it's absolutely an embarrassment frankly and nintendo i think in this instance were like well we can't have that again so let's just let's not do it let's do this weird thing where instead is a bunch of ghosts of your friends that appear in the level oh but no you can do a lobby with your friends but they're all just ghosts instead um and i just don't get it really like i think there was such a uh, um a thing that people loved with the local multiplayer and the new super mario brothers games or the chaos of having people together and you can bubble and all that sort of stuff and all people want is for them to just do that online but make it fucking work that's all people want it's 2023 and you should yeah for like a 2d platforming game come on Mm -hmm. like yeah okay here's the thing that drove me mad now in the last episode we were talking about federation force and i we referenced me reacting to a Nintendo um, Treehouse Live mm-hmm. where they were demoing Triforce Heroes. Yes. And we were moaning about the lack of voice chat. And Audrey Drake, who was working for Nintendo at the time and was demoing Triforce Heroes, said, but it's actually an advantage to not have the voice <laughs> chat because now you can encourage people with your pom-poms and your, your animation things that that game had, right? And it adds a level of challenge to the game, of course. You yeah, know? it adds this level. She was saying it as a positive that this game didn't have voice chat. There was some comment in this direct. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was something along the lines of, now you have the advantage of not playing with your friends directly, but you are able to still play with your friends. So it t- there was something like, it's a positive because it takes the pressure. Because they're not going to get in the way of you yeah, type it was of some thing. Yeah. Bollocks, like, it's just like, <laughs> what? what stop spinning everything is a positive when you can't yeah. do it or don't mention it like why does yeah. ev- not everything in the game has to be a positive that you spin in this oh i just hate the party line from nintendo it drives yeah, me totally. mad yeah um well they're never going to change are they? they're always going to do this so <laughs> like, i guess like uh it's it's just it's one of those things but maybe where... you want to walk off the cliff as link sure. because you've got joy-con drift because then you can experience the glider <laughs> You know, it's like that's why we put Joy-Con drift in the game. It's like oh, screw you. I don't want a Joy-Con drift. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. No. I. <sighs> man, that's Sorry. one of those Rant. things. Yeah. That uh, I, I totally, I, I agree with. I appreciate. And um, yeah, it's Nintendo. It's, I, it's part of the reason why I love Nintendo. Honestly, like it's stupid <laughs> shit like this. Um, <laughs> but it's endlessly frustrating for sure. Um, so, I, but there's there's a lot of interesting stuff still going on with this this game. I think one of the things that they brought up that um, really got my attention was this whole badge system, right? Where you can choose these different badges in each level, and each one has a different spin on it. Where one of them was a vine that was a grappling hook, essentially, and so you can grapple hook your way onto platforms and walls. One of them is like a Super Meat Boy style uh, single wall jump, where you can wall jump your way up spaces um there's like a bunch of different ones that they have that will apply to different levels so like a lava level for example you could turn on the safety badge where it would let you fall in the lava and not be hurt by it type of deal um and i like that as an idea i think that there's definitely going to be a meta of like some badges that are like better than others but i also think that they're going to design levels in a way to fit the badges and be like like you've played this level 
vanilla mm. now you can do the cool speed run version with yeah. the drill or oh, not the I drill, would, sorry, I would the not badge. be i would not be surprised if like um that is part of the post game where right. they unlock challenges that are like you can, you have to use this badge yeah and that's where the online could be good where it, they do focus on the leaderboards and it's like here's the leaderboards for this level with this badge here's the leaderboard for this level with this badge and they they kind of divvy up and then you're ultimately getting a lot more bang for your buck in terms of number of levels even though it's mm-hmm. the same level it's designed in a way that is completely differently playable with a certain badge you know yeah and i wonder if like there's an advantage to going back to older levels with newer badges uh, and finding things that you couldn't find before um there is a, a kind of a mario world overworld style thing going on here it doesn't feel as interesting maybe but we don't know whether some of those things will lead to secret exits or secret places to find um there, yeah. there might be some of that stuff in there um uh, but there are sections where like you're gated by wonder flowers so you have to find enough seed wonder flower wonder seeds whatever they're called in order to unlock certain levels so some levels will be locked behind that um and i think that's neat i think that's that's okay because part of the charm part of the desire of this game is to see all the wonder effects and to do all the wonder flowers so i feel like it's something that i'm gonna do for every level anyway so it doesn't feel like a donkey kong thing where you have to collect all the letters that are hidden throughout a level in order to unlock a level this feels like far more like well you're gonna do this as a mainline thing anyway so here we're gonna hand you a, a way to open a level so um i think that's okay and and i don't mind that approach too much um I guess, like, on the power-up stuff, as we were talking about, like, maybe people could turn into different animals. Like, it seems like there are two more power-ups they showed off, but they are totally different and distinct and uh, not in keeping with the idea of the elephant. So we have Bubble Mario and we have Drill Mario. Uh, I think both have a lot of possibility and capability um, and interesting mechanics tied to them. They don't feel as new, though. Like, Bubble Mario, to me, feels like a riff on cappy from odyssey oh i don't think that's cloud mario from galaxy oh 2. true yeah there's a way that that yeah. works as well there's also but a like... drill mario in galaxy 2 exactly yes yeah. totally so they, they both feel like riffs on previous concepts but done in 2d is slightly different where like the <laughs> the bubble there feels like a tool for getting to places you wouldn't be able to get to otherwise right placing down a platform that you wouldn't have had access to in midair to give you an advantage and find a secret that's hidden high up somewhere supposedly um, there was some fan-made game of was it mario 2 mm. i can't remember which one and they literally had this this bubble mechanic, this power up like a rom hack type of deal exactly yeah. um so nintendo have just taken it sure yeah um and yeah drill mario seems like a, another interesting kind of approach in the sense that he can burrow burrow into the ground and the ceiling and so it gives you a kind of different approach on enemies there are some enemies who Mm. are like probably not damageable aside from behind the ceiling so you have to like drill behind get behind them and then attack them from uh you know below or above which i think is uh definitely neat and i i would hope that they expand that to be something that lets you burrow through the ground to other areas but i don't know if that's gonna end up being the case so I don't know, do you think there will be more power-ups in the game or is this all we're going to get like these three mm, new ideas i think there will be more i okay. think that i'm really hopeful that they are hiding quite a lot they know that the elephant is the only end that everyone needs to play this game and buy it like this game is going to sell gangbusters no matter what and i think for the harder core mario fans they definitely there there should be power-ups we're not aware of um or maybe it'll just be certain wonder effects in the last few levels that are particularly 
you know, mind-blowing, and mm-hmm. that would be my hope. I, I'm confident there's a lot more behind the curtain. Yeah, they've already shown some pretty wild stuff. Like, one of the wonder effects they showed was basically, like, it's one of those ideas where, you know, it's like, oh, you could make a whole indie game out of this, and someone did, because one of the ideas is basically 2D and Top D, that puzzle game that oh, I played, yeah, yeah. Um, where Mario's walking, like, uh, top-down perspective on the side wall of a level, mm, um, mm. which, uh, yeah, it's, it's literally an, another whole game was made <laughs> around that concept, so um, I think more stuff like that that is wild and varied uh, definitely gets my interest, and I hope continues for the kind of duration of the the entire game so that we can we can get some some fun surprises constantly and you know there's fun like riffs on things there's a weird melon piranha plant and you know other new enemies like i like the the giant um mouth enemies the kind of weird moly guys and like there's there's some cool stuff going on here they they're getting wacky with it and i appreciate when nintendo doesn't tow the company line with mario enemies and they're like we're just gonna do a weird new guy uh who no one's ever heard of before and now will become everybody's favorite thing uh so yeah yeah, um i I think that there's there's a lot of possibility for this game and um yeah i'm excited still for it so looking forward to uh seeing what comes of mario wonder but one thing bali that we will not be experiencing in mario wonder is Charles Martinet is the voice of Mario because um, I, th- this happened a couple of months ago, but there was some sleuths on Twitter when this trailer, when the first Wonder trailer came out, who were like, hmm, don't think that's Mario's voice. And they said the same thing for like the, the new WarioWare game as well. Um, and I was like, oh, you people are just weird. You're just like finding something to complain about. I feel and... like it was said by enough people who know Mario to the point where the new common knowledge was this wasn't Charles Martinet. Hmm. I don't know because I was there a leak before the Nintendo statement. No, there wasn't. I think right. it was it was people just using their ears to be like, I don't think that sounds like him. And I'm like, well, yeah, you know, he's old. He sounds different now. They've probably been using the same lines for years. So it's probably just re-recorded, or they've probably recorded new ones, and now he sounds slightly different. Um, it turns out I was wrong because uh, <laughs> fucking it's not Charles Martinet. Uh, he is no longer the voice of Mario. Um, and this was a weird rollout where Nintendo oh puts God. up a thing on Twitter that's like a your classic like cyberpunk apology kind of thing where they screenshotted a thing and uh oh it's words and the words, words in the on the screenshot can't be good absolutely um and you realize you read it you're like well he's now the mario ambassador but he's not mario anymore or waluigi or wario luigi or any of the family of the mario crew um and that was all we had for a little bit and then today there was a video that came out it's just a weird video in the framing of it where like Charles Martinet is talking to the camera, thanking everybody. And then Miyamoto talks to the camera, but he's talking to Charles Martinet and not the audience. <laughs> and it's just, it's just a very Because they're probably in different continents. Of course. But, uh, yeah. Yes. But, um, but we didn't learn anything new. There's no. no new news in the video than there was in the statement. There's some nice no. like a little embellishments from Miyamoto joking about when he and um, Martinet were hanging out in Kyoto and he banged, He was about to bang his head on the ceiling coming into a Kyoto restaurant. Yeah. Really needed that bit of info. Um, but nice to know that Charles Martinet is going to bang his head in a Kyoto restaurant, but we still have no idea why this is happening. Right. And the only details we have of Mario Ambassador is that he's going to tour around the country and sign autographs and say hello to people. So... Which is basically what he's done for the last 20 right. years anyway. Um, it's so confusing. Um, right, what's the MBZ hot take? What's happening? I don't know. I think, like, there's definitely... The Mario movie has something to do with it, right? Like, there's there's a mm. thread of this that is, like, Mario needs a new identity. Um, we 
oh, Nintendo just don't don't want to be over reliant on like one person for one thing, right? I think like they look at this and they look at the future of Mario as a brand as an identity, and they're like, we can't just tie this to this single dude, right? Because what, what if he? What's the downside of that of tying it to the one dude? I I don't know. I I don't think there is, but I think Nintendo thinks there is. You know, like I feel like Nintendo they want the capability to like mario is everything to everybody right he's a universal understandable brand identity and kind of like how james bond always changes but james bond is such an icon of his own right mario i think they see mario in that way where they're like anyone can you can be the mario right like anyone can take up the cape well Uh, if you compare it to like animated characters so this is my theory well not my theory this was ben hansen's theory on min max okay yeah total credit to him because Mm -hmm. his theory was um nintendo just feel uncomfortable with someone owning mario that's not them Mm, and um, it's not to say charles martinet owns mario like no legally but he does own Mario in the sense that, like, Mario up until now has only been his voice. And if you take other animated characters that are famous, whether it's Mickey Mouse or Sonic or Pikachu, or they have all had multiple voice actors by this point, to the point where no one identifies Mickey Mouse as, ah, yes, Mickey Mouse. That guy, the, yeah. The voice of Disney, which he was originally, right? Mm, like, yes. No one now makes that association. Mickey Mouse is just numerous voice actors throughout. Well, I think Disney have just celebrated their 100 years this year, to be oh, honest. Oh, God. Um, wow. So Disney's had, Disney. Mickey has had loads of voice actors. And I think Nintendo like it's a control thing like it it's yes, a, of course. It's a, we don't like this guy but that's what's weird because i can understand hansen's point of view where he's like yeah they don't like this guy who essentially owns mario touring around saying he's mario but isn't that what the ambassador role is? <laughs> yeah um and then equally the ambassador role goes against the theory that this guy's old and is retiring because if he's old and retiring yeah. Why is he working so formally for Nintendo in this ambassador role? Or maybe it's not that formal, mm. who knows? But like it feels this it's just so weird and I don't get it. Yeah, people have been bringing up this interview uh, that he did with IGN a few years ago that's like I will play Mario until I drop dead. Um, you know, like he right. seemed and he seems like someone who loves doing it and loves the role totally. and loves the fan and I don't think all his that voice had change to the point where he couldn't do it anymore no, either like certainly not maybe, it may, no. maybe he found it a lot more tiring than he used mm-hmm. to I, i'm just guessing but, but... like re- let's be honest like mario is not nathan drake right you're not spending <laughs> 20 hours in a mocap suit in a booth like charles has to say maybe i don't know he maybe does a day's work for a whole mario game because ultimately that's yeah. all that mario says Depends in the game, the game it's, it's, yeah. it's very limited it's extremely limited so like it's not a big job every time a game comes out for him and sometimes a game comes out like a mario party and they just reuse old lines so there's right. not actually any reason for him to be in the booth so i don't know like it feels like most of his job is just going around so i, yeah. do, I don't know if it actually changes that much for him um aside yeah. from not having his name on the box anymore or the credit saying he is mario um very uh, curious like who mario is or what they're doing yeah with that. i mean i um, think they will try and make it as nameless and faceless as faceless as possible because just not draw attention to it right, right? I part put, of it is the celebrity that has been associated around him because exactly of this. i would put ben hansen's theory with your theory and what i mean by that is you're saying like the movie has done something and ben mm-hmm. hansen at min max was saying 
Nintendo don't like him being associated with associated with the profile of Mario. The Mario movie has elevated Mario's profile in media to the heights of Elsa from Frozen levels of like sure, yeah, higher than that yeah. almost. Like Nintendo will hate the idea of someone so high profile being associated with Charles Martinet. They don't want that that person tied so you know at such a high level tied to him mm. even though obviously his voice is in the mario film he's not obviously playing mario he's playing mario he plays dad, mario's dad yeah of which course, is so. which is great and i love mm-hmm. that but i still think there's some nintendo are trying to have their cake and eat it a bit here where they want him they want to string him along to make sure he's mm-hmm. not gonna say something that he shouldn't um right, at the same yeah. time let's try and make him a bit less faceless as the face of mario um yeah i don't know yeah, there was, I think um, people went to him for comment as well before this video came out, and he's like, I don't even know what it means to be an ambassador, but I guess I'm doing it <laughs> yes, now, yeah. um, which I think lends credence to, like, this wasn't, I don't know, he probably didn't get a lot of heads up about what was going on, um, or no, uh, this decision no. was made for him, essentially. he. No, totally. I think it's pretty clear he didn't step back of his own volition, um, right. and right. yeah, so I don't know, uh, it's a bit of a shame, I, I think, it's, like, it's everything i've heard about charles martinet from everybody on the internet it sounds like he is the nicest person in the world like just very open and willing to you know show off for the fans with his voices and everything and just interact and like it just loves what he does um so yeah it's a bit of a shame for him but He's, um, he's one of the very few faces of nintendo even though nintendo's arguably arguably becoming a lot more faceless than it's been in yeah. the last 15 years um, and maybe that's part of it as well right yeah. you know like that whole identity yeah. shift um away from personalities and more around like the so, brand which i think honestly is a mistake that sony and nintendo are both making because i found them far more interesting as entities when there were people front and center you know right. shuhei yoshida and adam boys no whiff of those obviously adam boys left sony but you know folks like that who were who had an identity around them with playstation they just don't do that anymore now you've got fucking jim ryan who nobody likes uh, and just says the worst things jim jim ryan has some of the worst like on-camera energy i've ever seen from like a video game exec yeah. he's just so i don't know what, what's the word i'm looking he, for he just sucks he's all so the energy dry. Out of the room. he is just yes. yeah he's, yeah oh, oh, mm-hmm. oh. yeah um so yeah, uh, it's it's not great, but anyway, um, we'll we'll see, and uh, we'll we'll find out what happens with that in in the near future, I'm sure, because we're gonna have to have a new Waluigi voice, kind of a new Wario voice. So I wonder if there'll be. That's the other thing, right? He had such control over all of these identities at once. Yeah, like makes sense probably now for Nintendo to split them up and be like, this person's Waluigi, this person's Wario, this person's Mario, mm, um, mm. and I think that might be part of it also. Do um, we know is, if Martinet's in WarioWare? I'm guessing he's not. For the well, yeah, WarioWare. that's what people were saying. The new WarioWare doesn't yeah. sound like him either, so I wonder if they've got someone else for that. Yeah. Um, so. I think he played voices other than Wario in those games as well. So. Oh, maybe he did, yeah. yeah. I don't know, like Orbulon or something? Um, maybe, I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, some of those weird characters. Ugh, sad, weirdness. weird yeah. Will we ever find out the the truth? Maybe. Uh, Maybe. Just uh, waiting for that Jason Schreier deep dive uh, at oh, one yeah. point. Uh, yeah. we'll P- I, the journalists will be digging right now because uh-huh, it is yeah. weird. And Nintendo will be annoyed that it's come out this weird because yeah, yeah. We'll journalists see. are digging. Um, our last news story for the day, Bally. Uh, Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom 
no dlc apparently it's not happening says anuma um so yeah i think this is a little surprising uh in the sense that nintendo have sold more copies than god of tears of the kingdom <laughs> and uh you would imagine given breath of the wild had dlc they would do something now something slightly different here is that when breath of the wild was announced they already had dlc in the plans right there was part of their roadmap like before yes. the game even came out they were like buy the dlc get the stupid switch shirt in the game and break all your immersion <laughs> switch, um, switch. <laughs> so so they were already on that train but they didn't have any of that when tis the kingdom was leading up and i think it probably makes a bit more sense now that they weren't ever planning on doing it um which i think makes sense in how fucking huge and dense this game is already like i don't know that anyone is asking for or needs like there will be people asking for it but i don't think anyone needs dlc for this game it is just so rich with things and stuff that um that it probably didn't make sense for them to do it and they almost kind of burned all their ideas like I liked the idea personally of filling out the sky a bit more because that felt like one of the parts of the games that mm. wasn't fully fleshed out and like you could do a lot more with just adding sky islands because they're very easy to just appear in the sky and just do stuff with. But um, I don't know. How do you feel about this, Bally? Obviously, you're still not finished with yeah. Zelda, so probably more <laughs> DLC is not what you're looking I'm for. I'm but... 50 hours in and I've maybe um, explored... Uh less than a third of the map fairly mm-hmm. thoroughly and yeah. i'm looking forward to the rest of this year i'm getting back to zelda uh i have no appetite for dlc i doubt that when i'm done with this game i'll have an appetite for any dlc mm-hmm. so personally i don't mind i i think it's surprising in the sense that that is so much easy cash money just left <laughs> sitting on yeah. the, the counter that they've just decided not to have at the same time we got to remember like animal crossing is one of the best is it top or top two selling games on Switch It's now? number two it's behind number two Mario, Mario Kart. Kart. Yeah. But um, I, Mar- uh, Mar- I was trying to merge Mario Kart and Animal Crossing. Manimal Kart. <laughs> Manimal um, Kart. But Animal Crossing, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, it had like one decently sized batch of DLC and that was kind of it. I mean, Animal Crossing was like, here's, here's the first year of stuff. But the first year of stuff was like, here's the christmas event which like would usually be in an animal crossing game my point is it was it was light as hell oh yeah it could have been longer they could have charged more they could have included more uh they uh, and so my point is they left a lot of cash money sitting on the counter for that decision as well so in that sense it's not surprising that um nintendo's just got this very strange relationship with dlc and how Mm -hmm. they roll it out so it's not that surprising and stepping back i think it's good news in the sense that one of your criticisms and probably one of my criticisms i've not fully decided yet is that we're back in the same world in tears of king we're back in the same world breath of the wild um you're praying that the next game even though it's going to be open world zelda isn't using the same landmass and the fact that they've turned down the idea of dlc and the likelihood would have been that they might have used this landmass again for something whether it's more shrines appearing or a dungeon appearing or who knows it implies they're pretty done with this world in my view and that that the next open world zelda whenever or however that comes to exist will definitely 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 be a different landmass and it's not going to be this trilogy of the same landmass um and i think not having dlc is maybe another argument that that's the case yeah they've run a lot of juice out of it and i I think that 
you know i think part of this interview as well was saying like the next one's going to be totally different um which i think is good news and i think it's kind of what i expected um but yeah i i do want that and i would i would rather frankly i would rather them just get started on making another zelda because it's going to take them another six years as opposed to spending any resources continuing to build on this one um what, what do you think of like the idea that them not doing dlc says anything about the successor system that's to come um oh yeah i guess the the release date of this dlc would likely be end of this year or start of next year and then you're definitely potentially especially if it's next year stepping on the toes of marketing for that that next system and it feels like we're not getting any big game announcements coming out that we don't already know about coming before the successor system and arguably a tears of the kingdom dlc is a big announcement so i think you're right i think that does suggest yep getting switched to summer october 2024 we're going to start hyping it up end of this year, start of next year. Um, look out. For yeah. It. I yeah. mean, this wasn't on our agenda, but there have been leaks and rumors of uh, Nintendo showing the sequel to Switch at Gamescom. Right. Kind of st- one of those things that felt like a wild rumor, and now Eurogamer, like, yeah, it happened. <laughs> mm-hmm. VGC as well, who are very trusted and have right. resources. Um, yeah. Like, I, I don't know. I think that there's a lot of. Uh, truth probably behind this stuff like nintendo has to show it to external partners at some point and that's a point when it's gonna start getting out there and i i wonder if them showing it because like they know they know that as soon as they start doing this leaks are going to happen because as soon as it's outside of the purview of the company people are not going to be as uh kind of tight-lipped as they usually are so i i don't know does does this to you suggest that they might do an actual reveal themselves sometime soon like this year potentially Mm. um potentially but i think if they do do it this year it'll likely be a release date for the new system like late spring early Mm. summer like you might get that may slot again isn't that when um switch one came out no it was march actually it was march Um, so i keep thinking it's may and you've created it's march (laughs) first time um (laughs) Yeah, maybe they could do the whole October and then January and then release on March. They could do, but that doesn't give much time to release Peach, you know? Like, no, that's games true. Really come out. So yeah, yeah. I would side more with Summer or Autumn, but um, yeah, I don't think we see anything official from Nintendo this year. Yeah, it's it, yeah, just it just makes me wonder because they really are. If they're showing it at Gamescom to people, they're really leaving themselves with an open goal for this thing to be leaked to hell before they have any chance of yeah. announcing it properly. Um, and, and you know, they they now have a hell of a lot more third party relationships than they did with the Wii U. Oh, totally. And yeah, this is their first time launching a system with that much spotlight on them in the sense that they have all these partnerships, all these relationships. And they're having to launch a new system in that environment where the media are a lot more, you know, when Switch 2, what's it going to be? Mm-hmm. And obviously there was that hype for Switch 1. Nintendo never lost their hype. They're still an incredibly important company at the end of the Wii U life cycle. But that spotlight is still way bigger right now. And it must be difficult because they've got to get those development kits out. They do want the games to come to the system probably mm-hmm. from day one. So you can't just release the thing and then give the dev kits. So yeah i bet it's a really fine balance of how do you talk about a thing without talking about a thing and make sure that when the thing you're not talking about is ready to come out without anyone knowing about it it's it's Mm -hmm. it's hard yeah um but i mean the things people are saying about it are 
exciting, but also like in a way that it's always like this with Nintendo hardware, where people are like, it's going to be 4K, it's going to have the graphics this time, they're finally <laughs> going to do GameCube 2. Um, and like, I'm always very skeptical of that, because that just isn't Nintendo, and it never has been. But they are coming off a very successful system, and they do want to replicate what they did with that system, and they know that a lot of these third-party partners don't want to make stuff on Switch because it's too underpowered, so they need to have solutions for this stuff. Yes. And so, like, the idea that they're using NVIDIA's DLSS technology in order to, you know, have a less powerful piece of hardware but can make games still look pretty and good and run well, like, apparently the Unreal 5 tech demo, the Matrix one, is running on this new piece of hardware alongside Final Fantasy VII Remake, right? (laughs) Like that's the sort of stuff that is super exciting because it means that hey you don't need to own another console ever again because you can play all this stuff at high fidelity on a handheld that you can take anywhere with you and keep that as your one kind of main system which i think for nintendo and for a lot of these console manufacturers is the dream is like be the only dominant thing in the market um but so yeah i, I don't i don't know it, it, it also like leadership changes you know we've had this is the first transition where it's like, okay, we've had this new president for a few years now and we're going into a new term. And like Furukawa likely is going to be president for a very long time. Um, so I, I think that his background is very different from Iwata uh, and his perspective, his ideas. Like we don't know much about him. He's very much reclusive. He doesn't talk to the press that much. He's a good English speaker, we know, because he worked in Germany uh, and uh, was part of Nintendo of Europe for a long time. But he comes from a business background um, and... I think that might signal like, hey, he, he's kind of making these decisions from a place, from that kind of place as opposed to a more kind of Nintendo weird creative place, which don't get me wrong, I'm sure there'll be weird Nintendo creative decisions with this hardware. We're already hearing about there's going to be a camera in it potentially. So, oh, you know, <laughs> off to the races with that stuff. But but I think fundamentally it is a, you know, a, a follow-up to a successful system building on those ideas and just making it a bit more yeah you know beefy and we've always talked that nintendo leave the quirky they leave an open door for the quirky weird we sportsification of the gaming industry and that was evident in the january um tokyo was it tokyo the the, the japan Japan, yeah right the japanese showing off of the switch back in january 2017 so Mm -hmm. because they they had arms they had one two switch it was like oh my god yeah and even throughout the life cycle of the switch you had labo and you had um, ring fit adventure you know like stuff like that was successful and and did well for them um, exactly off the wall ideas that stuff is always going to be there um but that january um presentation is also a good example yeah it's still closed with like breath of the wild with the most incredible trailer ever and Mm -hmm. i think that that's probably going to be the ethos they continue with especially if it's got this rumored camera that's just going to be all all kinds of fun yeah um, and i guess talking of breath of the wild the rumor was also that they're showing off a beefed up version of breath of the wild running at a higher frame rate running at a higher resolution on this thing um which was always the dream, right? It's like, hey, what about 60 FPS Breath of the Wild? That'd be really nice. Um, that just That's where it just feels so un-Nintendo. Like, could you imagine... Absolutely, yes. Yeah, that's where that's where I call bullshit because right. I'm like, Nintendo don't do this. That's not their MO. Could, could you imagine a $70, £70 pack that includes Tears of the Kingdom and Breath of the Wild running at 60 FPS, 4K on the Switch 2? Comes out in like 20, I don't know where we're at now it comes out in like 24. 2025 or something yeah. you know like 
that would be the most un-Nintendo thing ever. Um, but uh, especially seeing as we still don't have like Wind Waker HD. No, yeah, where the hell are those fucking um, games that apparently yeah. have been made for years? So yeah, so yeah. who knows? Who knows? It's exciting times. Like I remember this cycle in the build-up to the Switch, and mm-hmm. we were very thirsty for it. And oh yeah, um, I'm. I'm feeling my mouth's feeling dry right now. I'm uh-huh. I'm I'm there. I'm excited for the, this hype build up. It's going to be quite a few months to come. Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, the NX was such a weird situation because Nintendo told us the code name in like 2015 or something stupid, know, right? Just like, to stop shareholders leaving them <laughs> high yeah, and dry, I guess. But, absolutely. Um, yeah, like it was a whole two years of speculation, and oh God, yeah. we're not going to so get glad that this the speculation time. is shorter. Um, yes. Uh, hopefully shorter <laughs> who knows yeah. but yeah, yeah sounds we'll like see. it's gonna be shorter yeah um so uh looking forward to it and all the stuff that will be revealed but that is going to close us out for today's show thank you everybody for listening and for continuing to tune in to this here program on a two weekly basis uh we are going to get on out of here and plug some stuff as we go uh so you can find us on various places across the internet you can find me on twitter at lord nbz bally where can they find you i'm on twitter at ballyman91 that's b-a-l-l-y-m-a-n-9-1 um i shared shared the tweet it was a guardian review of uh sea of stars and the reviewer said uh this might be the best pixel art since uh eastward and i was just like that this game is calling me like i need to play this game <laughs> it absolutely is again like laser targeted directly at you yeah um, like, this this person's referencing eastward in this guardian <laughs> review what the hell i this is insane but yeah that, yeah that was fun very very cool um yeah i think it's very i mean it's very hard to touch the pixel of eastward uh see so stars gets close i don't think it's up to par but it's very very mm-hmm. good okay. very very nice. good so um awesome we'll uh, that next time yeah, absolutely. I've been playing that as well, so we'll, uh, I'll definitely di- deep dive, di- uh, dive deep, deep dive. into deep dive into that next time uh, on the podcast. Uh, but in the meantime, you can also follow the podcast on Twitter at TNL Podcast for all the updates, links to our Discord, links to our YouTube channel, uh, where you can find the show in those places as well. Um, you can. Help us out if you would like. Uh, you can go to patreon.com slash this Nintendo Life where you can get some bonus episodes uh, as well as if you want to go to the $5 tier, you get random stuff every now and again, including the audio logs that I do when I go to events and things. Uh, so uh, this Gamescom one will be coming. So uh, feel free to check it out. But Bali, we'd like to thank some folks uh, from Patreon. Yes, thank you to our $10 tier plus patrons. They are Zach S, Thomas, Matthew, Albert, Wicked Gamer UK, Alan, and Turtle. Thank you for your $10 tier plus support but thank you to all of our other patrons uh, we really 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 appreciate all the support you give the show and yeah as mbz said that five dollar tier is where he's sticking his audio logs and you know you're probably going to be going to another few gaming things in the future mm-hmm. so yeah it's probably a useful tier to be on yeah uh maybe a pax at some point yeah, um, PAX, yeah. if i'm lucky the game awards no, Ooh, no, the no game. That probably will never happen talking yeah yeah that'd no, be great it'll probably never happen but um anyway uh some some fun stuff to come so um cool uh and then also you can find the show in various places we're on uh spotify we're on stitcher uh, you can go and subscribe to us on any podcasting app of your choice review us on apple Podcasts. i think i heard stitcher wasn't a thing anymore was it something oh really yeah. is it gone God, someone was saying it on the podcast i was listening oh to. no well i'm just gonna keep saying it until someone says yeah, exactly. otherwise um so you can find us we're everywhere you know just look for this nintendo life and you can download us and we're in your inbox uh 
notify you um, of new episodes. We've had so. the right good boosts in the last few months in Spotify reviews. So oh, nice. thank you yeah. everyone for those. Um, yeah, appreciate it. If you want to give us a review on Spotify, that would usually be appreciated. I think it's just yeah. like a five star rating. So yeah, would, it's much easier to great. do. So go ahead and do that. That really, really does help. Um, and uh, and yeah, that'd be that'd be great. Um, and that I think is going to do us uh, thanks everybody uh, for listening uh, we will be back in a couple of weeks time my fingers crossed the Nintendo Direct will have already happened and we can mm. talk about it and that'll be good uh, and then we're in the uh, we're in the race to the end of the year with uh, big old Mario Wonder coming around so uh, looking forward to checking that thing out finally um, and we'll see what we think uh, but that's going to do us thank you everybody for listening we'll be back in a couple of weeks time until then see ya interlude used on today's show was blizzard man stage from mega man 6 copyright capcom 1993